Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. This tournament. I think Villanova's in that category. Villanova's not a team that's going to overwhelm you with star power, but the way they're able to knock people off their spot. What they did with Hunter Dickinson last night is a great example. Get him to catch the ball a foot and a half away from where he wants to and watch how ineffective he can be at times when you do that. Houston has that same ability. Jay Wright versus Kelvin Sampson in this next game is a classic chess match. It is going to be ugly. It is going to be war in this game, and it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be the most fun, ugly game offensively you're going to watch because of these two coaches and how their teams are going to go after each other. I am super impressed with Houston so far in this tournament. And much like what Arkansas was able to do with Gonzaga to knock them off their rhythm, what Houston was able to do with Benedict Matherin, and just every time he came off his screen, he was getting knocked, and it wasn't getting called. But they were able to bump him off his spot where he's not accustomed to that in a lot of games. And he admitted it after the game, that they got physical with me to a level where I was uncomfortable at times in the game. What a game plan. What a job by Houston and Kelvin Sampson. You cannot get an uncontested shot against them. And how many guys on that team are built like a box or a tank? Like at sometimes, all five guys on the floor are, are, you know, they're different sizes a little bit, but they're all just the most rugged guy. You put them on another team, and they're automatically the most rugged guy on that team. I mean, they all look like they just walked out of the weight room and, and got it done. And they fight and scrap for every ball going out of bounds, every ball coming off the glass. Uh, it's a remarkable the effort they put Well, and, and consider, I mean, you've got – they had 19 second chance points. They had 25 points in the paint last night. And on top of that, they hit nine threes as a, as a team. And it was uh, Edwards who had five of the nine. So – I mean, with the way they're playing, they can absolutely win three more games. And no one should be surprised anymore by them. I wonder about UCLA now. Is UCLA in the same boat as Houston? Do we have an injury report that has to come out tonight about UCLA? I think he's going to try to give it a go. Um, But I don't know how Hawkes, I don't know how effective he's going to be, but he's going to try to play in that game tonight. Um, I know we're going to get to tonight's games, but that blue blood matchup with UCLA and North Carolina yeah. is going to be a lot of fun. I know we're going to spend some time talking about that with Tom Barton a little bit later. Um, but you mentioned, Paul, the body type of those Houston players. I'm watching Texas Tech last night and thinking the same thing. Santo Silva looks like he should be a pro wrestler, not a basketball player. I mean, everyone on their lineup is just a rugged, tough, square-shouldered dude. Square shoulder. And that is, is a that good is way to put Houston it. also. Uh, and I mean, credit Duke. Second straight game. Last seven. We're coming into it. I said they don't have a counterpunch, is their problem when they get hit in the mouth. They've been counterpunching in this tournament against Michigan State, who's got some dudes, and Texas Tech certainly 
veteran team with some grown men, and their young guys have stepped up. They, they, we are watching them become grown men before our very eyes in this tournament. They, Duke couldn't uh, have played any better down the stretch. They, what, 76 or 75 of their 78 points came from their starting lineup. And on top of that, what they did with Texas Tech, they went eight for eight, Duke did, in the closing minute. They closed the game the same way they closed against Michigan State. Eight for eight from the floor in the final eight minutes of the game. And then the free throws. I mean, so... Um, eight, I, eight for I, eight, four, four clutch free throws. Four for four down the stretch that iced it. Um, they shot 70.5% in the second half. That is the first time Texas Tech... That's the, the best shooting percentage they've given up in a half in seven years. I don't know how... That was the second half Duke had last night against their defense. Well, consider their first half. They finished the half missing 10 of their final 12 shots of the first half. And to open the half, Texas Tech went on that run where not just they're, they're not just hitting shots, they're getting layups off their defense. Their defense created offense uh, that led to dunks and, and easy lay-ins. And somehow Duke was only down four points at the half. I don't know how. I don't know how it was 33-29 at halftime with the way Duke played in the first half. I, I don't uh, – we've talked about this rooting for Krzyzewski thing, and I was all into it last night when he's talking to Tracy Wolfson. This has to turn off for me at some point. <laughs> but I, I don't know when it's coming. I, I, I just want – I want it to end in New Orleans, the Final Four. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not one that's diehard, oh, he must win a national title in his final season. But, you want him at the final but it, it only feels right if a guy who's now won 100 NCAA tournament games more than anyone else, it seems fitting that his career should end, win or lose, at the Final Four. Yeah. So I am rooting for him to beat Arkansas and to get to a Final Four. And, and whatever happens there, great. Um, you know, it's... It's kind of funny watching Coach K because, to me, he's the epitome of this college basketball leadership lifer where the program revolves around him. And then later in life and later in coaching, all he can do is talk about his players. Guys, that has nothing to do with me. Those players showed the grit out there. I, this is not the coach doing anything. This is Paolo stepping up. This is Jeremy Roach stepping up. I have nothing to do with that. It's just an interesting perspective later on where he's really going above and beyond talking about his players. I mean, that was it, it's, a, it's somewhat refreshing, but it's just different. That was a great game. Yeah. That really was a good. great game. And Jeremy Roach continues to step up for Duke in some massive moments in this tournament. That You mentioned that not having the counterpunch. He's been their counterpunch over the last two victories, Chad, uh, where he had 16 points. Um, they had, uh, outside of Bancaro, they had uh, uh, Mark Williams who added 16 or 18 points. And again, their starters scored all but two. And Texas Tech, um, I, I said if they score 76, Duke's not winning. But they closed it out in epic fashion yet again. And now we get what should be a really fast-paced game between Duke and Arkansas. Mark Williams, who on national TV, you could see Coach K, his head coach, a legend, calling him soft or saying it was soft when he got blocked when he went up for a layup down low. And what, two possessions later – came down with the hammer of Thor on a dunk on someone. I'm thinking, well, there's redemption. After you can see it right there, plain as day. I mean, it, it could be a, a meme of Coach K or GIF or whatever you call it, where he's leaning back saying soft and shaking his head, talking to his assistant coaches when he gets blocked, and then comes back with that dunk. He has been terrific. Hutton, you mentioned Roach, uh, who's been a big-time gamer, especially in the clutch for this Duke team. I'm having a lot of fun watching this group. 
I mean, I, I was never a Duke guy per se, but I remember as a kid, you know, watching Hurley and Leitner and those teams and enjoyed watching those teams. Grant Hill, especially, yeah. who's now on the call of these games. But watching that team last night, and people might think it's corny or whatever. That's fine. You could think it's corny. But the simultaneous floor slap was an amazing ode to the past for Duke. It happened before Jim Nance caught it on television and the whole broadcast, and even Grant Hill got excited with about a minute and a half left where they all simultaneously hit the floor before the defensive possession. It happened on the Mark Williams thunderous block uh, where they got the ball. That was the first time it happened. But what a really – it was a cool throwback to the past uh, of Duke basketball watching that, that, watching that, and it feels like – just like it feels like to me with Arkansas, this is a special team, a team that, that's doing more than anyone expected. I feel like Duke's got a little special nature to them in this run as well. Well, and – I mean, speaking of Williams, Williams for Arkansas, um, big moment in the second half, just tying in the game against Gonzaga. Williams picks up his fourth foul, Paul, and they elect to keep him in the game with five minutes left. It's ballsy, quite frankly. And then they, then he, they end up, uh, he's upset, picking up the fourth foul. They keep him in on free throws. Next possession hits a massive three. All the momentum with Arkansas. Gonzaga was trying to get back in it. Arkansas just kept burying threes. Hey, and Arkansas was winning that game no matter what. There was some bad officiating in that. There was a clear trip where the guy had his foot up and under that tripped a Gonzaga guy. They came back from a commercial. I don't think anybody saw it in the flow of play. Arkansas guy clearly slept, stepped on the baseline coming up and under. They got a couple breaks that helped fortify them. I don't think there's any chance Arkansas was losing those games. The worst that game with those calls. I thought the worst call was the fourth foul on on Holmgren. Not the fifth. Not the fifth. Yeah. The fourth foul. He he jumps and goes straight up and yeah, down. Yeah, and there was nothing. And a uh, little contact, little but again, he's he's vertical, straight up and down, um, north to south. Does not lean into the defender or the uh, the the offense, offense. and uh, the whistle blows immediately. Yeah, and they and were determined to get him in foul trouble. They got him sat down pretty quick with two fouls. Uh, well, and Hurley, he had scored 11, all, all, all 11 of his points in the second half. And that, that came halfway into the second half when he picked up his fourth. That well, changed the game. You know, the officiating has been the rallying cry for a lot of people in this tournament and problems with officiating. And there's been some games that have been awful start to finish. And there were certainly some issues in that Arkansas-Gonzaga game. Um, the primetime game last night and the best game was Duke and Texas Tech. I don't have many gripes Not me about officiating. So I want to point that out because we're always going to point out when it's really bad. And it's kind of like offensive line play. You don't notice until someone's terrible and has a disastrous game. We should also point out I can't really point to many issues I had either way. And that was a physical, hard-fought game from both sides between Duke and Texas Tech, and I thought it was very well officiated. We've got the injury, the injury tonight that could be a factor for UCLA. I fear there'll be an injury for Villanova heading into uh, Elite Eight because uh, Colin Gillespie got his knee wrenched in a scramble for a ball late against Michigan. He was already wearing a sleeve on that knee. Mm. He finished fine, but it didn't look real good, and I wondered if that wasn't the kind of thing where he'd wake up today with it swollen and hurting and keep an eye on that. I thought Jermaine Samuels was really, really good in that game with him. And I thought that game played out just like I envisioned. Like, they were about 10 points better than, than Michigan. And Michigan was good. Well, Michigan wins that game. It, 
they uh, Villanova went through scoring droughts. That was an awful game. Yeah, Villanova went through be. scoring droughts, and Michigan could not hit layups. They got the ball at the missed rim and shots. missed gimmies. That, that's going to haunt them. And then they missed free throws. They were 50% in some big moments uh, and, and big opportunities. Meanwhile, Villanova hit theirs. You know, they, they stick with what they do best, and that's a little bit of everything well. Samuels led all scores with 22 points. Uh, he only missed four shots all night. But there were not a lot of shots in this game that were outside of the paint for Michigan, and they missed them. I mean, they, they had point-blank range and missed easy opportunities throughout the evening. I'm looking at halftime of that game, and Michigan's down three, having missed all those layups you talked about. They're one for seven from the free throw line at halftime. And I'm thinking, Michigan's better. Yeah. I mean, if they play halfway decent, they're going to run away with this game against Villanova, and it never happened. And that's that's partly the power of Villanova. Yeah. Things that look easy oftentimes aren't the way they defend. And, you know, they can get you in those types of slugfests. And uh, they win the battle of attrition most well, of the time. In the, last in, the, night. in the second half, you, you had Samuels who grabbed a big rebound. He gets uh, the rebound, scores over Dickinson. On the other end, Dickinson misses right at the rim. Fast break opportunity. And then they, they, they have Gillespie hit a three. And there's a huge back and forth there and a five-point swing where, again, right at the rim, Michigan can get back in it. And they, they just could not do it. So... They absolutely could have won that One game. One of those last night. TV production things where they got addicted to somebody's dad, and they just they just showed um, they showed Gillespie's dad way too much in that game for me. Coming up, we will uh, hit the big headline in the NFL. Deshaun Watson has talked press conference, introductory press conference for the Cleveland Browns' new quarterback, where uh, doubles down, triples down on him being completely innocent of all charges. And By the way, look will, at Tyler in his Cleveland Brown shirt today, representing uh, Tyler in back, production baby. here. He's, he's ready to go, supporting will, his Browns. We will discuss, and you'll hear from uh, Deshaun Watson, some of the questions that he faced, answers that he gave, and the overall temperament of the presser. We'll have details of that next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Tonight's second half of the Sweet 16 tips off with Purdue and St. Peter's, then Kansas and Providence. That's 
the first games on CBS and TBS. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Uh, the news from earlier today at 1 o'clock uh, Eastern, noon Central, Deshaun Watson was introduced as the new quarterback in Cleveland. The guaranteed contract uh, comes with a, a ton of questions because we haven't heard from him outside of a statement that he gave at the courthouse in Texas uh, after nine of the accusations went before a grand jury criminally and they decided not to press forward with criminal charges. Of course, we now know a tenth resulted in the same decision yesterday by a separate county and a separate grand jury um, that heard a separate allegation. But he still faces the 22 civil lawsuits. And he was asked the, the very obvious questions, including repairing his public image moving forward now that he is the guy and has the most guaranteed money, because it's fully guaranteed, of any player at his position or any position. Here's Deshaun Watson. Yeah, Deshaun, this is something that is going to stick with you for a long time, this perception. How do you repair your image? How do you restore your, your name? No, I understand that, and I know that there's going to be a stain that's probably going to stick with me for a while, but all I can do is keep moving forward and continue to, to, to show the person that I am, the true character, the true person, the true human being I am. Like I said before, I've never done the things that these people are alleging, and I'm going to continue to fight for my name and clear my name, and like I've been doing, just cooperate with everything that comes with it and just keep moving forward. And then as far as the job and, and what I need to do as a, on the football side is to lead this team, help this team win multiple, multiple games and Super Bowls. And that's my job is to continue to put all that together and work with the Cleveland Browns and, you know, just keep pushing forward. Deshaun Watson continued where uh, he continued to say, I know these allegations are very, very serious, but I've never assaulted any woman. I've never disrespected any woman. And he was asked about the 22 women, all massage therapists, who have filed this civil suit with him that has gone on now for over a year. Uh, Sean, I think as, this is, as details have come out, some people have wondered um, why you've used the number of massage therapists that you've used. Can, can you kind of explain that number? Uh, yeah, I can't get too far into detail because there's an ongoing investigation still. But I can say that with this now day and age, um, especially with my age group, social media is a big business part um, that, that goes into it. So that's, you know, a factor into it. But as far as the details, I can't get too far into it because there's an investigation going on. But hopefully, you know, once everything is resolved, I can speak freely on it. I, I have two questions to Sean. I, I'm going to go back to 40 uh, massage people. So if... Why, why not just find one you really like and, and stick with that person? 40 just seems like so many. Well, I never, as far as a team, um, and, and when I say team, not saying the Cleveland Browns, but my agency and things like that, uh, 40 is just over the time. It's not in one period of time. I've been in Houston for five years, so you go to different people, and that's just how, like I said before, I can't get too far into the details, but... You know, as businesses work and you move and meet different people and people have different schedules and blocks, you kind of meet people over time. Deshaun Watson signs a five-year, $230 million contract, fully guaranteed. That's not just, hey, the Browns want him and, and the Texans can trade him. This is a move for the Browns that immediately makes him the cornerstone 
of their franchise moving forward. And with that comes his public image and public perception where fans in Cleveland and the organization, the league, and Deshaun Watson will work to repair a public image that innocent or guilty will stick with him for a while. Deshaun, I'm wondering, uh, you know, kind of specifically, what kind of work are you willing to do both in the community and personally uh, to either atone for anything if you feel like you have to do that or uh, just to make sure that you are never accused of anything like this going forward. And I mean specifically, you know, working with any, you know, women's groups or, uh, you know, any other things in the community, sort of looking for specifics of what you plan to do. Um, definitely. And I think, you know, especially on the, the ending of that question, working with women groups, I think it has to be something that I have to earn that trust, to be honest. You know, I have to earn that trust back in into the community so I can step out. I don't want to just jump out and make it seem like I'm not doing it. I'm just doing it just to try to clear my name. I've always been a, a community leader with Habitat for Humanity, with the uh, Kids for Cancer, because my mom had tongue cancer, um, with um, education, giving back to schools, and then also with just, you know, all types of charity work around the community of, of building communities, building housing and things. So. Um, you know, I'm going to work with this organization and my, my team to the perfect opportunity for us to come out and just help because I've always been that type of person. That's how I was raised. And that's why I continue to say I'm a servant leader because I wrote a book on it. That's how I was before any of these allegations. But at the same time, I know and I'm not naive to the point that I have to earn that trust back from the community and people outside that's looking, you know, at these allegations and haven't spoke to me before. So that's my goal is to be able to earn that trust and keep pushing for it. Watson. To follow up on that, um, personally, I mean, even if you do feel you're innocent of these and you've never done any of these things and the Browns don't feel like you have, will you be willing to do things, you know, personally in terms of counseling or, or whatever it else, whatever else it would take to show that you'll go the extra mile to make sure nothing like this ever happens again? Um, I, I, it's hard for me to say the counseling part because I don't, I don't have a problem, you know, I don't, I don't have an issue. And that's, that's what I've been saying from the beginning. So this situation is, is definitely is, is tough and it's very difficult. But me as a, as a having a problem going to counseling and things like that, I'm willing to talk to people about certain situations to make sure I'm not getting back in this. But I've, like I said before, I never assaulted anyone, never disrespected anyone. Um, I've always been respectful, and that's what I've always you know, stood on, and that's who I am as a person. And Watson said it is not his intent to settle any of the 22 cases that are currently open in civil court. A couple other notes uh, out of this. Uh, GM Andrew Barry asked whether he believes in Watson's innocence, said, we believe in Deshaun the person, which I thought was interesting, and the Haslam's Jimmy and D ownership, who really need to be represented, I think most people would agree here, the, the key decision makers, were not present at this. I think it's expected that they participate in some kind of Zoom either later today. No, they've or already done that. So they've done it. They've done so that, they and they're out of the Zoom. country. That's why it wasn't there. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, that's convenient for them to be out of the country or wait until you're back and do something in, in person. But I think people are very anxious to hear from them uh, in person, and I would expect that, that they will be at the owners' meetings Monday and Tuesday. Well, they, the, the big they, news that came out of what Jimmy Haslam said, other than the standard responses you'd expect, was he refuted any reports that they had some problem with Baker Mayfield. And he said no one in our building would have referred to him as not an adult. 
based on reports they've seen, that they, they had no issue with him in, in that regard as a leader. Uh, that was one thing that Jimmy Haslam said in his availability. There's a lot to parse here. I mean, I think... Um, and I, Real quick, Haslam uh, and his wife, Dee, both said they had a prior engagement outside the country. They were not going to reschedule. Uh, and this was done well before they traded for Deshaun Watson. And over Zoom, they said they thought it was very important that the media hear from them on the day that they introduced their franchise quarterback. Okay. So that's fair. I think that's all fair, and I, I don't think it's anything nefarious that they're avoiding. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would prefer them do it that. now instead of wait for them to get back into the country. Right. I think they should, uh, should also do something in person. If, if but, but the owners' meetings next week, they're if probably, they're there, yeah, they yeah. will. Yeah. Probably uh, they, unavoidable. You'll, they, see him. you'll see him next week. Paul. Haslam, and, and I'll get to your point, Paul. Uh, he, he said that he respects the legal process um, and that they will abide by the legal process in this. Um, when asked about you know, whether or not he thinks that Watson should settle, or if that because that was a big point of emphasis with Miami last year. And he said, it's up to them, and they'll make the right decision based on his counsel. I thought Watson shot himself in the foot with a couple things here out of an overall pretty good job. That he, uh, uh, one thing we didn't mention here, he said at the end of this, he didn't know about the contract offer until after choosing the Browns. I find that really hard to believe. Yes. The money is a huge factor in what he chose. Uh, the reporting, which we have no reason not to believe, it's pretty good reporting generally about what team a guy is choosing. And all the bigwigs had that he knocked Cleveland first off the list of the four. What's going to lure him back into Cleveland? The contract, the idea that he knocked them off the list and then put them back on the list uh, and didn't know about the money to me is silly. And then this thing, social media is a big part that goes into it when you're choosing 40 masseuses over, over five years. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying that I, I've been close to a lot of players. These guys choose masseuses. They choose a physical therapist. They choose IV guys. They choose, I don't know, Lawan's got a, a magician guy that he goes to. I mean, when they... A magician? I, I'm being uh, yeah. funny, but a guy who does all, kinds of, all kinds of physical <laughs> stuff. When they find a guy or a woman that they feel connected to and that has results for them, it is like a marriage. You change teams, they fly this person in if they can. They are loyal and dedicated to somebody that makes a difference for them. I think, and we've said this from the start, it is, it is very unusual for somebody to go through so many different people who has a physical bearing on your game and your health. And his answers there didn't do anything to make me any more comfortable with the idea that he was rolling through so many. Well, it's also not anything that makes him guilty of literally no, any approach If you're going in front of a grand jury and claiming that he goes to a bunch of massage therapists, I mean, that does not... Sway no, me one bit. I, I agree, but it's uh, it's unusual for uh, a guy. I, I know a lot of Titans that it have is, I, a I very specific that. person, but uh, that the, helps them with X, Y. The and line Z. of questioning was why go to so many, and his answer can simply be because I can. Yeah, I right. mean, he can also answer it that way, and that's totally no, it fine. It doesn't make him. I like trying out different massage therapists. You know, it's something that I've I've got the ability to do with the money that I make, and I I like doing that, so I try out a lot of different ones. Certainly not a crime to say that. Here's what's it stuck. is odd. It's odd, yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you, you, anyone could point out and say that's odd. A couple things that jump out to me. Um, when he says, I've never 
ever disrespected a woman. Um, only Jesus Christ could say that. Every man, woman, or child has disrespected a woman at some point in their life. I think that's a very over-the-top voluntary or statement to say, right? Like, we've all disrespected a woman at some point in our life in some way, meaning to or not. So I think that's a very naive statement to make and goes a little bit too over-the-top in trying to prove his innocence. Um, and Ken points this out on, uh, on our YouTube chat, says, this is why so many people hate the media. What a dumb question from the female reporter asking if he's going to go to therapy or counseling for, for anything, if that's part of his plan. He's claiming innocence. Right. That's a dumb question. Why would I go to counseling? I'm sitting here telling you, I've been answering the whole time, I am innocent of these charges, so why would I go to counseling? Oh, he answered it well. That was a terrible, that was a terrible question, uh, though, from, from her, I think, also. Look, I mean, that everyone's going to point to, there, there's a lot of people pointing out, you know, hey, uh, I'm mad at the Browns over this, right? Like, they, he's not uh, going to jail right now. They have, the grand jury hasn't issued charges yet, all of that. But I'm mad at the Browns for doing this, and I have the right to be mad at the Browns. That's fine. I listen to this whole press conference and see the quotes and everything else. I don't know what else either side is supposed to say other than what I just pointed out. I don't think Deshaun Watson should be going over the top saying, I've never disrespected a woman in my life. This is just a very tricky thing to discuss because you've got a guy who was pleading absolute innocence. No one was assaulted. No one was even treated in an unfair or weird way. And then you got 22 accusers saying the exact opposite of that. And then we got a third part of this where two grand juries have not levied charges and have heard the evidence in this case. And then you've got a fourth box, which is the media wanting a head on a stick in some way, whether that be Deshaun Watson or the Cleveland Browns. And in the middle, you've got just a very, I think, odd press conference. And look, I've seen this, you know, this line of thinking, and, and I agree with it. The Browns should have just gone up there and said, we want to win. You know, we signed Deshaun Watson's contract because he's a great quarterback, and we want to win. That's the bottom line. We all know that to be true. Um, Deshaun Watson spent, I saw Armando Salguero point this out, spent 20 minutes defending himself, talking about his innocence, and then when the Browns GM was asked, are you sitting here saying Deshaun Watson's completely innocent? And his answer was, we're saying we believe Deshaun, in Deshaun Watson the person. We're not saying he's completely innocent. What does that tell you? Oh, Deshaun Watson's a great quarterback. We'll let the legal process work that out. We'll let his attorneys handle that. We've heard enough to know that we want this guy as a quarterback, and the two grand jury decisions are in our favor with everything off the field also. Well, that's and also, that's also a, a trap question, though, uh, from the general manager perspective. There's no right answer there. If he says, yeah, he's innocent, but yet he either settles these cases or they feel there is some civil damage because again, it's 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 fifty one forty nine. It's not a unanimous uh, beyond reasonable doubt here. Uh, there is it, it it could go either way. So you could replay that answer, or if you say, you know what, we we've investigated this and you know we're not sure, then you face even more heat for signing off on yeah, it. It's a tough question to answer. Um, you pointed out a key word. I have no intent to settle. Also leaves him room to change his mind, and we've seen that word intent used. You know, several times in NFL cases, we have no intent to trade Russell Wilson. But that's the right way to answer we've, that we've question. We've heard at the combine, right, from Pete Carroll. 
So he leaves himself room to, to settle. I mean, consider, if he decides I mean, that's what's best for Chad, him. Chad, right? I thought considering the fact that, I mean, his representation, the Browns, Watson, they know that every single word is going to be dissected and taken and twisted and, and, and you know, really analyzed with how he answered these questions directly or indirectly. I thought all things considered, he did a nice job answering the questions that the media has been waiting over a year to ask him. Look, if, I, if my only issue was what I pointed out, him saying the over-the-top statement that I've never, ever uh, disrespected a woman in my life, if that's my only complaint, he did a pretty good yeah, job. he could have fixed that with one word. I've never intentionally disrespected well, and, a woman. But, you know? Again, I, I feel like everyone has intentionally done that at some point, even if you're calling a woman something you shouldn't, you know, to her because you're mad at her. I mean, that just happens. Uh, Amy Dash, by the way, who is a, a really good follow on Twitter, she's the chief legal analyst for Fox Sports, and we're getting a lot of this information in real time. She retweeted the question about counseling that I brought up from, from was it? Mary, Mary Kay Cabot. I'm, Mary I'm Kay Cabot. Certain. And she wrote, the presser today was definitely more accusatory than not. It was clear from the line of questioning that the media is not going the innocent until proven guilty route. Surprised the Browns didn't have the guts to mention that when given a chance. They had multiple chances to say two grand juries chose not to charge him. So we go innocent until proven guilty in this organization. You guys may feel different, but we're going that route until we get evidence otherwise in the legal system. That is from a legal scholar saying that the Browns would have been wise to mention that at some point in the press conference. See, I, 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 I mean, I think that would have been wise by the Browns, but I think the league has trained everybody that they're, they're way beyond that. The league doesn't wait for innocent until proven guilty. The league has suspended people with cases up in the air. Adrian Peterson's thing was up in the air, right? I mean, the, the league, at its most aggressive, Roger Goodell was adjudicating things before they had been adjudicated but, by the courts, but, which is the league's fault. Yeah, but you're using an example of Adrian Peterson where he admitted to hitting his child with a switch. Correct. So they punished him based on that. Watson's but saying the he's courts done nothing. Had, I understand what you're saying, but the league has adjudicated things before the courts has, have adjudicated No things. doubt. No, I, we both agree on that. But in the Peterson case... Was Adrian said, too. yeah, this is how I was raised, and this is how right. I disciplined my children. It's up to me as a parent to do it. I mean, And the league judged that to be not something it approved of um, before the courts but, had but to with say it, Again, with this, it, it's tough for me. If I'm, if, based on the last year of all this, how you come back and say that this guy is suspended based on how this has played out to this point. I'm not saying he can't be. I just think it's tough for the league to go back on what they've said, which is we don't have enough evidence to do it. And since they've said that, there's no further the, evidence. The, that's the, the criminal aspect of this has been thrown out of the, by the grand jury. One more legal issue here. Uh, Mary Kay Cabot tweeted this: uh, GM Andrew Barry said the Browns were advised against reaching out to the 22 women who have filed suits because it would be considered interfering with the investigation to reach out to them. Michael McCann, a legal expert, says the Browns could have reached out to the attorneys representing the accusers and asked for perspective on Watson. The attorneys could have then consulted with their clients and decided what, if anything, would have been appropriate to share. They may have shared nothing with the Browns if the accusers didn't want that, but that would have been a legal route to avoid interfering with any investigation to talk to the attorneys. As it typically is. You talk to, to somebody's attorney instead of talking Yeah, no one's to expecting them. to call the accusers. You know, to or the them accusers to take the hey, call. Hey, tell us what you think about Deshaun Watson. Well, read what I've sent to my attorneys on Deshaun Watson. That's what I think about him. So on the field, Watson makes Cleveland an instant contender, instant, for the, for the trophy. 
uh, for, for the Lombardi. But there's a, there is a, an ultimate reality with the, the NFL this offseason, especially in the AFC. We have just a quick stat to explain how difficult it is to name the offseason champion going into a year where it is stacked in the AFC, especially at quarterback. That's next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got 360 headlines for you in 10 minutes. Then Bobby Carpenter will join us at 15 past the hour. Looking forward to chatting with Outkicks Bobby Carpenter on college and NFL headlines. That'll be straight ahead. And then a big Sweet 16 preview in the third hour today. Deshaun Watson on the field is fantastic. I mean, we, we know he's a top five quarterback in the league. The Browns are giving him the, the heftiest contract and guaranteed money in NFL history. Um, every offseason, big offseason move to this point has come with the description of Team X is now a contender. You know, and I've done this a lot. You know, you've got division by division in the AFC. We were talking yesterday about the addition of Tyreek Hill in Miami and what that does to put Miami in contention. But here's a mathematical uh, example of why we should maybe tamp down the emphasis on contender, true Super Bowl contenders, because mathematically, at least three of these teams are going to miss the playoffs. Bengals, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Steelers. At least three of those eight AFC teams are going to miss the postseason because there are seven playoff teams and at least one team from the AFC East and at least one team from the AFC South are making it. So for all of the off-season headline and fire that this, this has been, which is it's been unbelievable, the, the, the player movement, really good teams that we're discussing now are not going to be in the postseason discussion in uh, a handful of months. You know, you could put out there... X teams put themselves in the mix for a title or X teams are going for it based on moves and easily replace that with X team just put more pressure on their head coach to win now or get fired. Exactly. If they don't make the playoffs. Or their quarterback or whoever it might be. But Paul, that's the harsh reality. I look at it that way. They just put a big bullseye on coach or quarterback or whoever to win immediately or there's going to be consequences. Well, I – I think it'd be better said to say at least two of those, um, what was that, eight? Two of the seven. I don't think anybody's counting on the Steelers to, to make the playoffs. But out of Bengals, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Browns, Ravens, Chargers, well, I think I canceling two of those I out could is have hard. Wrote, I could have uh, lengthened it. I could have put the Titans and the Colts in there and removed yes. the Steelers. I mean, yeah. you, can, you can add more teams to that than less. But uh, I, I just went by two divisions because you have the – um, you're going to have at least one team from the AFC East and the AFC South. And then, I mean, good luck. Because oh, I think right. after the Super Bowl, everyone's pinning the Bengals. But keep in mind, Lamar Jackson's back now. 
uh, with Baltimore. And Cleveland just picked up Watson. Okay, so now you've got three teams there. And the AFC West is the best division we've yeah, seen I maybe mean, ever. I think if you look at it by uh, – you could look at it. Here's another way to look at it. Like, who is absolutely not uh, – in terms of the competition. <laughs> yeah, who's not in it. Who's not making the playoffs <laughs> in the AFC? The Jets are not making the playoffs. Right. Oh, this is the great. The Jaguars are Houston, not making Texans. the playoffs. The Texans are not making the playoffs. Go from there. Uh, I mean, from there – Pittsburgh probably is not making the playoffs. I wouldn't think so. After that – it's hard to find a fifth team that's definitely not making the playoffs in the AFC at the start of the season. How great is that for the NFL? Also, do you think Massive. Jacksonville is going into the season saying we're definitely not going to no. make the playoffs? No, but every no, they year, have Christian every Kirk. Year, they every think year they're, they're, they're not yeah. making the playoffs. I mean, we're saying Doug that. Doug Peterson's but I, not saying. My it. point is, yeah. outside of the Texans last year and probably this year, there's very few teams going to the year saying, like uh, the old Stephen Ross Dolphins, where they hope to win, is, uh, hope to lose as much as possible. There's very few teams saying. This is a clear rebuilding year. Let's reset. We're going to lose a ton, and there's no chance of making the playoffs. Right. I mean, even the Jets, I-, I could give you the most optimistic viewpoint of a Jets fan or Jets front office person and give you a reason why they think they should be at the back end of the playoffs this year. The other thing is, uh, you know, it sounds great right now, and I think it will be great. Last year was pretty damn competitive right down to the end. Hell, the Sunday night football game was, was tie, tie, and you're both in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but somebody tears an ACL during training camp that changes the picture for one of these teams uh, very drastically and sadly. And the NFC I mean, is nowhere near I'm not as... trying to dampen the emphasis on how good the AFC is, but I think we throw around the word contender far too often right now. Well, that's another... But their teams won't even crack the 17-team playoff right now. But at the beginning... They have a, a, an opening oh, day. Yeah. They have a great chance. Oh, Here's the other thing. Yeah. And then injuries play a factor, but that, that's the case across the board. Here's the other thing, and you guys know where I stand on this. I want really good teams in, but NFC teams get TV things. Okay, Chicago's going to be on TV. Rolls on.